dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. By our baptism, we are called to lead. We are called to bring the influence of Christ into our families and our relationships and into our world. But in what does this leadership principally consist? Especially for those of us who have been entrusted with communities, in our families, in our businesses, what are we supposed to do? St. Thomas Aquinas offers us concise and insightful guidance in his work, De Regno, on the King, his letter to the King of Cyprus. Good morning, everybody. We have come to the end of our study of De Regno, and we've got just two more uh, opportunities to kind of summarize what Thomas offers us in this letter. And I'm particularly struck by the end of the letter where Thomas gives us a kind of summary, kind of like if, we, if we're asking ourselves, well, what am I supposed to do with all of this? Where am I supposed to go with all this practically in my life? Uh, you know, after all, Thomas wrote to king to a king, the king of Cyprus, and I am, you know, the mother of mommy. You know, like I sometimes I just don't really know how a letter from Aquinas to a king has what that has to do with me and my concrete circumstances of life. And so that's why I have you here. I I, I want to actually help you to see that what Aquinas writes all those years ago, 800 years ago, to a king of Cyprus actually applies precisely to the various places in our lives where Christ is calling us to lead as part of our vocation. Thomas Aquinas is the common doctor, the doctor of all things, the teacher whose teaching applies to everything. Okay, so now it's not absolutely everything, but that's the, that's the understanding. He's just He's just pure brilliance, right? And we need to take what he wrote and see therein a real pathway for success as we try to govern our families, try to lead our businesses, try to found our companies so that we can do them as Christians. I think that the greatest problem that we face today is the separation of faith from our practical lives. When you separate your faith from your practical life, all of your effort and your, your grit, your determination, your vision goes to things that are not eternal, things that do not last, things that cannot endure. And I just think that's a big waste of time. Why would I dedicate myself to pleasure and to acquiring masses of wealth if those things are all going to be eaten by, you know, the moths that come to destroy at the end of my life? Why would I amass for myself fortunes upon this earth if in fact I'm not going to be able to keep them, right? The Christian is the, is the one who rises up and says, as great as it is to have a wonderful reputation, it is not worth sacrificing everything for. 
As wonderful as it is to have great wealth, it is not worth sacrificing everything for. As wonderful as it is to you know, acquire great honor in the eyes of people today and have statues raised on, about me on the city square, it is not worth right sacrificing everything for. And yet we constantly find ourselves tempted to do just that. To turn our backs on our faith, to turn our backs on our religion, to turn our backs on God's teaching when it's not convenient to us because in this world our eyes are focused not on the eternal but instead on the temporal and where that happens is where we separate we say well my faith life it's it's this personal thing that I have with my God and I guess every once in a while when I go to a cabin in the Smoky Mountains I might give myself leisure to think about it <laughs> But the fact is you rarely go to cabins in the Smoky Mountains. And so you rarely allow that whole aspect of your life called wisdom and the acquisition of a deeper knowledge. You actually don't allow that to grow. And all of your energy and drive, it's about, you know, can I get that house with the picket fence in the countryside and three horses eating grass in the front yard? And so that's exactly what we do. And we end up shaping a world that flows with that same perspective. This is where maybe it's convenient for us to reread what Thomas writes at the very end of his, of his treatise here, of his letter uh, to the king of Cyprus, where he talks about what would happen if a city was dominated only by the demands of business. Basically saying, what if there was too much trade, too much commerce? Is it possible to have too much? And he says, actually, yes. And of course, it's a little bit off-putting for those of us who are engaged in business. But I think that his point is a fair one. Basically, for him, business means selling. And not everything needs to be put up for sale. There's a lot of things that can actually be traded or exchanged without sale. And he says, if in fact everything goes up, becomes about money, then greed is awakened in the heart of the citizens. Good faith will be destroyed between them. And then all kinds of fraud will appear. Each one will work only for his own profit, despising the public good. The cultivation of virtue will fail since honor, which is virtue's reward, will be bestowed upon the rich. And thus, in such a city, civic life will necessarily be corrupted. So what's the point to all this? Really, let me just be really clear with you all. It is necessary for you to be engaged in the ways of this world. It is necessary for you to be focused on things that are temporal. This is the field of your leadership. But the heart of your leadership needs to come from somewhere else so that you lift up the places where you are inserted in our society towards something that transcends the human project itself. You cannot lead whatever has claim to you. So we lay claim to the world because Christ has laid claim to us. And our focus, therefore, is twofold. We do the things of this world fully engaged in them so as to lay claim to them in the name of Christ. But our hearts need to constantly be submitted to Jesus. 
and have that perspective of the wisdom that says this world and its temporal ways are not the be-all and end-all of our existence. They are made for something greater and that someone greater that we have met, Jesus Christ, has sent us into our trades and into our business places and into our various realms of leadership in this world, into our homes and into our families in order to bring them back to him. See, there's, and that's what makes leadership as a Christian particularly wonderful. Everything that we do in terms of our skill, dedication, labor, the, the development of leadership from a very human perspective, all of that is made an instrument of the divine leadership wherein God wants to bring this world to its perfection in a way greater than anything and anyone in this world can imagine. In other words, as leaders, we are artisans of a perfection for this world that transcends, that's greater than what this world can even imagine. We don't work against the world. We work for the world. We don't work against its development. We work for its development. But we have this perspective that says the, the greatest development that we can bring to our society as business people or as civil leaders is actually only the, the beginnings of a perfection and a greatness that God wishes to bestow upon that society by opening it through our humble efforts. And when we have this perspective, our leadership becomes incredibly important and our contributions to our civil world become unique and innovative. The world is waiting for you. It's waiting for your vision, your greatness, the, the particular attitude that you bring to it as a Christian. Because we gaze upon the world not with eyes made for this world, but with the eyes of Christ. And the world is longing to meet that gaze. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So Aquinas, in his letter to the King of Cyprus, De Regno, uh, speaks really concisely. And I just want to bring out some of the really wonderful parts to this letter. Uh, I think it's really, for me, it's the, the summary of what he's been writing so far. It's the very end of part one. Part two, he goes on and it's kind of neat. He talks about founding a city and whether it should be in hot climates or cold climates. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating. But the letter really comes to a close here at the end of part one. And I just want to really give you just the heart of it because I think it casts a light on everything else that we've been talking about. He says it this way. He says, three things are necessary for a king to do. First, he says, to establish a virtuous life in the multitude subject to him. Second, to preserve it once it is established. And third, having preserved it, to promote its greater perfection. All right. So that's obviously kind of like a different vocabulary for us. We're not used to that, right? But 
the, the very first goal to establish a virtuous life in the multitude of the of subject to him, this is applicable to all of us wherever we are. If we're leading as human beings, we need to lead human beings underneath us to be better human beings. This means that the focus of our business is not the business itself. The business itself is the arena. It's the circumstances in which we actually engage in a much deeper enterprise, which is the bringing about of the perfection of the people who are engaged in that business. This is the, the heart of a Catholic ethic of business. Why are we doing it, in other words? Well, we're doing it because we believe that what we're doing is important. It's very important. But we also believe that the way that we do it is very important. And, and here, the, the, the business owner or the business manager transcends the duty of just pushing things around from one part to the next or shuffling papers and really becomes an agent for a catalyst for change in the hearts of those who encounter them. I mean, this is what we're supposed to be doing it all for anyway. Are, wh why else am I really engaged in business? If it's just to make money, then, you know, I've missed the point. It's not just to make money. Everything that I do and everything that everyone does with me, we do because by doing it, we grow. We become better. If, if, if Raising a family, for example, just to use a different form of leadership, it's the same thing. What's at the heart of raising a family? It's we need to provide for them. We need to have rules in the house. Yeah, but there's in that, that genius of the relationship, there's something deeper that gets passed. It's the, it's the bestowal of the Spirit of God and His divine love from my heart to the hearts of my children and the hearts of my members of my family. This is really what it's all about. And in the same way in a business, yes, I've got the outside things. We have to manufacture. We have to meet our goals. But my friends, if, if you're going to work every day just for that, you won't last long. And if you're running a business or leading a team where everything is just about the bottom line, we all know turnover is the next thing going. And, and the corruption of people stabbing each other in the back, the lack of synergy, Right? My, 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 my leadership will be the most effective when I can create bonds of genuine care between the members of my team. I'm thinking of Gene Krantz, who was at the, the heart of the Apollo missions in the 60s. And he's actually from Toledo, Ohio, which is amazing. Went to a Catholic school, a Central Catholic High School in Toledo. And that's my hometown too. So I, I was interested when I was reading his book, all about the Apollo 11 adventures. And he describes a community in those workers, those scientists that were putting together the first missions to the moon and to outer space, that he describes it in such amazing terms because the people working there weren't just working. There were, they were like a family. There was a synergy, a care, an energy, a, a, a camaraderie that allowed them, according to Gene anyway, to accomplish more than if they were just a, a, an assembly of skilled workers. Right? And it was that type of grit that was necessary to go from zero to the moon and back 
in 10 years, in less than 10 years. It's, a, it's an amazing example. Of, and it's not just me who's speaking about it. You can speak, he speaks about it there. Wherever there's this synergy that Aquinas will refer to as kind of like the unity of peace, right? That's the phrase that he uses. Where everyone is in their place and all their places are well aligned. And then you have this kind of spark to say, this, what we're doing transcends what we're doing. This is not just about putting a person up into outer space and bringing them back safely. This is about advancing the cause of health and peace and unity for our world, right? And suddenly we say, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Or this computer program isn't just about, you know, I'm running a cybersecurity company. Well, my cybersecurity company isn't just about keeping out people from, you know, stealing data. It's about building trust and confidence in our systems, right? Then suddenly with that type of transcendent notion, the work itself can take on a bearing that befits it. I set the culture of my household by the transcendent goal of every day and not just by the, the necessities that we have to do in order to survive. So if I set this, the, the culture at we need to achieve as much money as possible, Aquinas says, you know what, in the end, you're going to, your business is going to fail because business is not for the sake of business. Business is for the sake of the perfection of the workers. And as a leader, I need to therefore make sure the business survives, of course, but I have to be even more attentive to the way that it's done. And this is what he means. The very first goal of a leader, he says, is to establish a virtuous life and the multitude subject to him. Here I just kind of challenge you, right? Like, are you thinking in those terms? The opportunity that you have to help every person who comes into your company to have a good day. Wouldn't it be amazing if people go to work in order to be happy so that when they go home, they can bring their happiness home? When a person is satisfied at their job, it's amazing what they can accomplish. And this is our job as the leader. It's to bring that to its, its, its culmination and to make sure that that's in its place. That's the first goal and the first task that Christ entrusts us with. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So the first goal of leadership is to establish a virtuous life in the multitude, right? So all the people that are bring, brought to me, I need to make sure that they're virtuous. The second is I've got to preserve it once established, okay? And this is kind of cool because here Thomas shows some of the realism. He says, you know, it, it remains for the king once he set up the, the virtuous living to look for its conservation. There are three things that pre prevent the permanence of the public good. One of these arises from nature, right? So the, in, in other words, people are going to grow old. They're going to change. The good of the multitude has to become perpetual, but people cannot live forever. They are mortal, right? So this is just the inevitability of turnover. I spoke with a, a police officer who said, yeah, our, our police department hires 50 new police officers a year 
and retires 50 a year, right? It's just the necessity of this. We have to think of that ahead of time. If I'm going to persevere, I'm not going to have the same team members. I'm not going to have the same circumstances. It's like that one person who told me the only perfect plan is a dynamic plan, a plan that can change, right? So if your plan is able to change, then you've got a good plan. If it's not able to change, it's not going to last. Second thing that happens, he says, is that from within the, the, the people themselves, there's the fact that we lose our inner fire. We don't always strive to be excellence. If you let people just be people without constant reminders and leadership to be excellent, the, the unity will degrade because people will transgress justice and disturb the peace of others. And then the third is that you constantly have threats. Right? This would be in business, of course, your competition is always wet, ready, always waiting, you know, just to come in and take away their business from you. So you've got the fact is of, of human nature itself and age, then human nature itself by the people not necessarily wanting to live excellently. And, you know, the constant vigilance that we have to have over the environment that we create, it's just... It's one of the most biggest challenges that we have to face as, as leaders today is that you're never done. You not only have to be the visionary, but you have to be a visionary who cares for the flock that you have gotten to follow you. And that care for the flock requires always being attentive to the group cohesion. It's, it's really a hard thing, especially if you founded your business. Because if you're the founder of your business, well then you, you're, you're moving forward. You're the one who knows how to do it. And so you kind of constantly be moving it forward. But the actual doing of the business also needs someone who is really attentive and really on top of it. Because the, if we can do those two things right, both the drive forward and the maintaining of what you have, well, then your success is assured. And this is, of course, is the goal. And so he says, well, then you need to do three things. The first, in order to take care of those three eventualities, the change because of mortality, the change of people's hearts, and finally the change that can come from the outside. He says, you've got to do three things for your charge of leadership. First is you have to take care to appoint people to succeed or replace those in charge of their various offices. All right. So we all know this. This is just a great HR plan. You raise the people from within. I think that's kind of neat, right? Uh, because to see this in Aquinas all these years earlier is like, you just have to think of this to have already the people advancing through the cycle. So that's of course in the business world, but it's applicable anywhere that we go. It's like no one lasts forever. Okay. You're not going to last forever either. So who are you raising up to take your place behind you? A good business, a good, a good enterprise, a good thing that you're leading will have the leadership thereof built into it itself. The second thing he says that we have to do, he says, by laws, orders, punishments, and rewards, the leader has to restrain those subject to him from wickedness and induce them to virtuous deeds, following the example of God, who gave his law to man and requites those who observe it with rewards and those who transgress it with punishments. Okay, so this is, a, this is a, a real point I wanted to bring your attention to because sometimes I, I, I think that, especially in our modern day America, 
a lot of us kind of have a, I don't know, an impression that being a leader, being in charge is somehow a bad thing. Like if only we didn't have to have that mantle of leadership on our shoulders, we'd be equal like the rest of them. It's almost like a a guilt that we can have for standing out and going towards the front. This can inhibit a lot of parents, for example, from parenting effectively. And it certainly inhibits a lot of Christians from, from speaking up about Jesus Christ and his moral teachings in the presence of their peers. Right? No one wants to appear to be better than the others. But I want us to point out that the, to the degree that we do not lead, we cannot exert the benefits, the blessings, the influence that comes from God and from faith. God did not design a world of equals. He designed a world where some depend upon others. And if God has made you into a person of leadership, it's because you are to bestow through that service of leadership his light and his knowledge and his goodness and his unity into the world. It is not an easy task. It would be easier just to put your head down and join the multitude, but the multitude would be weakened thereby. We cannot allow the sheep of God to be stolen by the false shepherds who seek to claim them in the name of power simply because our own leadership would require more from us than we feel ready to give. In fact, God wants us to lead from the front with passion and courage, and this means taking care of the unity that we create. It means educating, as he says, enforcing that bond of peace, right? Making rules, enforcing the rules, instilling desire to go deeper. It means fighting for the good of your people. Our world needs leaders, and you are the leaders that God has put in this world. The third thing we have to do is preserve it from attacks from the outside, but that's much easier than, than, than what it takes from us from the inside of really loving our people is, as, as he says, just like God, following the example of God. And this is what God's calling us to do. He's looking for men and women who will dare to follow his example, dare to to bring people to live according to virtue, dare to preserve that life of virtue amongst them, dare it to protect that from any attacks from the outside. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.